0: You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey, everybody! This is Mike with the Finn Fans podcast. Tonight, I'm here with Daniel Reinhardt. What's up, fan fans? I'm also here with Jim Johnson. Hello, all. Yeah, we are excited tonight to talk some Finns football. Uh, the question for the day is going to be to tank or not to tank. Mm. Uh, but before we ask that question, we're going to uh, talk about our head coaching vacancy. Now, uh, we asked her some questions today. We actually received a bunch of them. And and one of the questions we received was from uh, William Nellens. And he asked, uh, who are the three leading candidates for head coach? So I'm going to start off tonight throwing that right to you, Dan. Okay, so we do we have we've interviewed multiple
1: guys for the job. There are two, I would say leading candidates right now and then a couple of guys who are probably on the back burner. Um, Chris Richard, who is the passing game coordinator and defensive backs coach for the Cowboys is one of the top two candidates. The other guy is Brian Flores, who's the linebackers coach and play caller for the New England Patriots. And then you also have uh, Eric Bieniemy, who I think is still, he's kind of an underdog right now for, for the job, kind of a dark horse. And then the guy sitting on the back burner waiting to find out how all this is going to play out is Darren Rizzi. Now we all know Darren Rizzi. We all know what he is, what he stands for, the way he is in, in the coaches' rooms. We can see what he does with the players on the sideline. In my opinion... The guy that I like the most is Chris Richard. and and I took a few notes on Rashard and and Brian Flores, who I'll get to in just a second. I'll let Jimmy take over on Flores, and then we'll talk about you know we'll talk about all this. But Chris Rashard is a guy who took over play calling for the Dallas Cowboys this year, and he is the defensive backs coach and the passing game coordinator. So what that means is that he coordinates the defensive backs. He gets the, the passing, the defensive passing scheme set up and coordinates all of that. So this year, the Dallas Cowboys were sixth in points per game, seventh in yards per game, and they'd only given up 35 touchdowns. The reason that I bring that up is because Miami was uh, 27th in points per game, 29th in yards per game, and gave up 52 touchdowns. Now, just on the surface that looks like you know Chris Richard and that Dallas defense is is way better than Miami and that's absolute truth but that's not even the big thing i wanted to touch on with richard richard is well known for being the defensive coordinator the defensive backs coach and, and all of that for the legion of boom in seattle he came up through usc played as cornerback under Pete Carroll, moved on to Seattle with Pete Carroll, and in in five years span, he moved up to the defensive coordinator. He led, uh, in, respectively, in 2015, 16, and 17, the first, third, and thirteenth overall defense with the Legion of Boom had, you know, five five Pro Bowl caliber players, five Pro Bowlers every year, an All Pro, in Bobby Wagner, and and led a defense that we all know really well. Played with uh, coach guys like Sherman and Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Bobby Wagner, Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett. Um, I am I am completely on board right now with with bringing in Chris Richard. and the other guy that we have to make sure we take a look at is Brian Flores. Uh, Brian Flores is also a really good candidate for this job. I, I'm not completely sold on him because he's a Belichick guy, but with three Super Bowl titles as a coach in New England. A lot of people are going to be looking at him. Jim, is Brian Flores the guy for you?
2: Uh, That's a good question. I'm not 100% sold on any of these guys. Uh, You mentioned Chris Richard, and I am probably more enthused about him coming on as head coach than I am about Brian Flores. But, you know, Brian Flores has spent all of his years, uh, 11 years, Uh, in the NFL and they've all been with the New England Patriots he spent the first couple of years in player personnel you know just a a personnel guy Uh, he spent the next two or three years as an assistant to all of the New England coordinators Uh, you know special teams offense and defense Uh, he's known as a defensive guy but you know he's touched all. He's been involved in in most of the of the uh, New England rankings there throughout. So he's he's been a, a fairly substantial part of New England for a while now. And everybody that is involved and speaks about him says he's he's got a great reputation and he's a great leader of men and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, this year he was everything but. The title of defensive coordinator when matt patricia uh, went off to detroit uh, he took over the play calling uh, but didn't get the title um, but that's what he is is the defensive coordinator over there he calls all the plays and new england's defense was this the typical old bend but don't break they were statistically uh in the bottom half defensively overall but yet points scored against uh, they were in the top 10. So, you know, they're and they were high on the uh takeaway department as well. So, uh, everything that I read and hear is good about the guy, but you know, that's an awfully large step for anybody to take to go from some relatively new coordinator position to having the whole reins to the to the sleigh, uh, as head coach. So, you know, it's a big step, uh, but the great coach has got to come from someplace. So you never know. Maybe we got one waiting for us.
0: It yeah. sounds like a
2: big step, right,
0: Dan? Yeah.
1: Uh, what I was going to say is Jim. Jim touched on the fact that he was in the personnel department. He actually was a scouting assistant first, and then a pro scout. Before he moved up into the special teams assistant role and and you're right. He's he's tu- he's had his fingers in every piece of that defense for the last 11 years. Rather that be special teams rather that be offense or defense. He's gone defensive backfield with the safeties coach. He's been a linebacker coach and and now the play caller. And yeah. you're right. They were seventh in points per game this year. I I like so I don't like him. I take that back. I don't like him. He's a Patriot, but yeah, I like exactly. what I've seen from him as far as coaching is concerned. My, my thing is, I mean, he's only 37 years old, which is good. You know, Richard is 39. Both of these guys are really young, but I am still on. I'm, I'm still in the group of people who say the new England coaches, uh, they just haven't succeeded and that scares me a lot more than what it would scare me with Chris Richard being unproven as well.
2: Yeah, I hear you. Uh, the New England has its machine, its system, and, you know, when you combine a great quarterback with a great head coach, everything becomes easier. Um, you know, your assistants look better because you're winning games, and whether that's because of the assistant or, you know, you know, something – you know brady or gronk did on the field uh those wins those wins make those assistants look better so they're attractive to other teams and you take those guys away from the system they don't always have the same success so that's a that's an enigma that we're gonna have to to deal with uh if we were to bring in flores uh but i have to say i do like that some of the things that uh, chris richard did in Seattle. Uh, And he's got Dallas playing pretty well. Uh, So, you know, this is up in the air and and both teams are in the playoffs. So I don't think we're going to know much for a while.
0: You guys are spending way too much uh, time talking about winning. (laughs) Uh, We're going to be tanking, gentlemen.
1: (laughs) Hey, 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 we're supposed to win, right? We can get to a little bit of that, but uh, what I'm seeing from this head coaching search, Mike, and tell me if I'm wrong, we're going to end up having a guy with zero head coaching experience.
0: No, I think you're exactly right. We're, we're looking for somebody to uh, execute a plan. Yeah. L- learn on the fly. Yeah. So uh, is there a third guy that we should be talking about?
1: Well, I would say that probably number three is the enemy, but I, I, Honestly, I think he's the dark horse right now. I didn't write down anything about him, but I do know that he's an Andy Reid guy. He's been with Andy Reid for multiple years. He is a running backs coach who has moved up to offensive coordinator after Matt Nagy left. And and he worked with Spencer Ware, you know, made Spencer Ware a number one guy before he got hurt. And then he, he worked with Kareem Hunt and made Kareem Hunt a number one. Obviously, Kareem Hunt had the talent to do it, but he's an offensive guy. And I don't know if that's the route we take right now. I think that we're going to stay on the defensive side of the ball with the coaches. And then we talked pregame here, and, and I said it again just a little while ago, I think Rizzy's the fallback guy. If we can't get one of these other coaches, I think Rizzy will step in and, and definitely take that role.
0: That's exactly how I see Rizzy. I think he's the guy there in case the other guys are, are either not a good fit or decline the job.
2: Yeah, I, I think he's their safety blanket. and. Right. You know everybody likes Rizzy. Uh, you know he's well respected by the team and and special teams in the NFL in general, but And the former players. Yeah, and and you know Jason Taylor said, "Yeah, he should be your next head coach. He's already there. Make it happen." But So did Brian Hartline. Yeah, Brian Hartline. <laughs> yep. Several, a few have stepped up, but yeah. Uh, yeah. he's
0: definitely got a fan club.
2: Yeah. Yes, no does. no doubt. No doubt. But yeah. Yeah, you mentioned Beanie over there in Kansas City, and and the only thing that I do like is the fact that he's, you know, an Andy Reid uh, student. Yeah, I do like that. Sure. Uh, but you know, if you take Patrick Mahomes off of that team, I'm not sure he looks so good as an offensive coordinator. So,
1: well, if you would have left Alex Smith there, they would have had a good year. You know, they'd been making the playoffs alex reed wouldn't have got hurt or alex smith
2: wouldn't have got hurt did i say alex reed you did you it? did yeah i don't right. even know
1: who that is actually <laughs> i don't think he plays in the league
2: it's alex smith and andy <laughs> reed's andy love reed? child or something there
1: know. you go andy smith bud. <laughs> Andy Smith, the next great thing uh-huh. uh, I, I think it's important to note too i said that flores is a three-time super bowl champ richard is a super bowl champ too as yes, a coach
2: yes. and, right. and he
1: made another super bowl with seattle and and after that loss dan quinn left and he got promoted to defensive coordinator and and if i'm looking at this man i love what he did with the legion of boom he was a defensive coordinator there for three years i just i absolutely love it i already named a bunch of the players that he played with so he he knows what it takes to be great on the defensive side of the ball and while Flores has been in a really good system, I don't know that he's coached guys the way that Richard has. Yeah. And so in the last week since we talked last time and, you know, and I said, you know, uh, Lafleur was one of my top guys. He's gone on to Green Bay. Uh, it looks like Cliff Kingsbury, a dark horse, is being hired by the Cardinals. And from what I'm hearing, the Buccaneers
0: the, are Jeffs hiring Jets are looking Bruce at them too. Is that a done deal?
1: So... I, I believe it is a done deal. I've seen it come across the bottom of the screen on ESPN a little while ago that they've agreed to a four-year deal in Arizona. Okay. So the other thing I wanted to mention is Flores has been, hi- by, been interviewed by the Dolphins, the Bronx, and the Browns. Okay, the Broncos sounds like the leading candidate is Munchak, and the Browns, we don't have any idea. And Richard has been interviewed by the Bucks, who I just talked about, Arians, the Jets, and the Dolphins. So if we're wanting Richard, it looks like it might come down to the Jets or the Dolphins for him.
2: And I do need to mention uh, one thing well, about... I hope
0: he freezes his ass off in New York.
2: The, yeah, yeah, really. He uh,
0: comes to us and stays warm.
2: There's one little detail talking about Brian Flores. And, and Daniel, you mentioned what Richard did with the Legion of Boom there. Uh, Brian Flores was the one that sent Malcolm Butler in at the end of the Super Bowl on that... Uh, goal line play where he made that interception so you know that's his uh, biggest claim to fame probably right now was was sending butler in on that play
1: yeah i suppose if, if flores was the guy there uh that makes him uh, a hell of a coach <laughs> <laughs> i don't really know what to say to that uh, yeah i know it's that's it's, a nice little tidbit yeah there, Jim. it's, it's I,
2: just a little detail i thought you guys off would guard. get a little kick out of that
0: <laughs> well william i hope that answered your question yeah yeah i hope
2: it did All right,
0: so we'll get to some more questions in a little bit. Um, So, Jim, what did you think of Armando's article?
2: Uh, Yeah, I spoke to you briefly about this before. But nobody knows that. I know, and that's why I'm just mentioning it. I was just talking to you earlier, and, and it was as if he was reading my mind as he was writing that article, because just about everything he wrote in that article was was what was going on in the back of my mind and he and i've got a bone to pick with
0: armando though and we'll get with that here in a bit
2: yeah well that, you know uh, you know the pest the pessimism is coming out a little bit i, I frame think. the
0: article a little bit because everybody's probably not read it
2: well a while back the uh mr ross had made a statement in that interview that you know gase was wanting to win now maybe and it came, came off the wrong way and uh you know, Ross said it. You know, we we need to take a step back before we can take a step forward. And you know, Amando talked about some of the reasoning behind that, where let's make a decision to maybe not try quite as hard to win. Don't make so many decisions to do something in 2019, but let's look at 2020 or 21 down the road. So. You know, don't don't sign as many free agents, don't do this, don't do that, uh, and let's look to 2020 and beyond. Um, yeah, I think what he was saying
0: was there were some people in the organization that approached him about this, and, and they felt like it was a better direction to go. And when they approached him about it, they assumed that Gase was going to be there and uh, uh, that that's the way it was going to work. But then Ross evidently had other ideas with the way that the season finished and you can take it from there.
2: Yeah, and you know, there was some talk about uh, Ross and Gase having arguments towards the end of the season. And you know, we really couldn't understand what those arguments might be about. And if you can visualize Ross telling Gase, you know, to back off a bit and let's look at 2020 or something, and and Gase probably didn't want to hear any of that and got upset and you know, they had words. So that's what Armando was trying to explain some of the reasons that might have made that transpire. And when Ross made this decision, like you mentioned, Michael, he probably didn't think that Gase was gonna gonna blow up and not be with the team. He probably figured that he'd he'd agree with what he wanted to do and and make adjustments. Well, that didn't happen, and things got ugly quick at the end of the year. But Armando pointed out several things, and you know when you make these decisions there's there's other things that may happen you know as as collateral damage to those decisions the Uh,
1: quote-unquote unintended consequences
2: yes unintended consequences yeah that's that's a tongue twister a bit there but you know when you make these decisions um you know you you run a if you're not winning you you know people are going to throw more stones uh and then whoever you bring in as a coach if he's wanting to win and not damage his his reputation coming in, uh, knowing that the plan isn't to you know go to the playoffs in 2019, you know that's not always that appetizing to a new guy coming in. So, you know, when
0: you're a young coach trying to make a name for yourself. The last thing you want to be associated with is losing.
2: Yeah, you don't want to be that guy, right? Right.
1: So yeah, and, and what Armando was saying is that the guy who's coming in is going to be a surefire lo- surefire loser, right? Jim, isn't that what he said?
2: Well, that's a great possibility. Yeah, I mean, they're not. You know, the plan isn't to set the world on fire in twenty nineteen. So, you know that that has some some consequences moving forward. You know, if you've got a team that isn't expected to do much, and you know you get a new coach that's not experienced, well, maybe he can't get top flight coordinators uh now you start looking at the trickle down well you know maybe maybe you know the number one draft picks don't want to play for you and maybe the the free agents don't want to sign with you and and it's it there's a lot of collateral things out there in the nfl it's a win now and pay me later type of thing
0: and when your veterans contracts expire they look for greener pastures
1: Yeah, exactly. When you're losing, your fans don't want to come to the games and they, you know, get rid of all their merchandise and all their memorabilia and and they don't want to follow the team anymore. Uh, I completely understand a lot of the stuff that Armando is saying on, on a surface level because nobody wants to stick behind and follow a loser. You know, like it's really hard to stay with and root for a losing team. It's just really hard to do and and you can look at the Cleveland Browns for example like I don't think I've seen a Browns fan in seven years you know and then and then this year you see people wearing Cleveland Browns hats and you and you see some brown shirts again and it's it's something that I can understand Armando saying, but I don't feel the same way, not a hundred percent. Now he talked about in the article. He talked about uh, the coach being a surefire loser, and he said he spoke with some of the coach's people. And if you see the expectations here for this team coming into 2019 and possibly 2020, because what did Ross say that three and 13 wouldn't be so bad for a couple of years if it if it gave us uh, an opportunity to win in the future?
0: He said so, he hopes it doesn't come to that, but if it did, it did.
1: Okay, so. So he's saying, he spoke with some of these coaches, people, and why even interview for the job? And, and the two answers were, it's hard for a minority coach to get a gig, and every gig in the NFL is a good job, you know? So here's, here's what I see about that. If you're a new coach, you're, you're a coordinator, you're becoming a head coach for the first time, and you have no expectations, that's a good thing. For goodness sakes, that's a good thing, because every piece of good that you do is going to be elevated. And when you come in and you can be yourself and you could do things your way because you don't have the expectations of going out there and being a playoff caliber team, then you are able to elevate the guys around you the way that you want to teach them the way that you want to and do things the way that you need to. And I think that's a good thing for these young coaches. And two, um, I think that that free agents that see these coaches in the way they're doing things will still want to come here regardless of the fact that you know it might not be next year we win well if
0: you pay them enough money they're going to want to come i mean that's just the way that works yeah but but
1: see that's the thing we're not going to do right that's the thing that's the thing we're not going to do is pay high price free you hope
2: you may have to yeah
1: let's let's hope not because then we're in the same cycle
2: right the other the other thing is that's really a plus for a, a new guy coming in that that's never coached before um Like you say, you know, the no big expectations to take the team to the playoffs, per se. Um, So you can learn what you need to learn, and you can adjust to the NFL coaching gig. And the other thing is, is you'll be involved in selecting that quarterback that drives your team and, and can take you to the promised land and all of that. So I'm not
0: so sure about that. I think that's going to be Greer's baby.
2: Well, that could very well be, but like I said, he would be part of that. So, I mean, if, if, the, if the coach and the quarterback and the GM aren't on the same page, then we're wasting our breath.
1: Yeah, and there is absolutely nothing given in the NFL. So, we start talking about tanking, okay? And this is where I have a bone to pick with Armando. So, Armando, if you're listening, please, please get back at me. Tell me, why are you trying to get everybody to tank for Tua? Because, A, we don't know what Tua is going to be <laughs> at the next level, and two... You know, A, and two, there is no given that this guy's not going to get hurt, that he's going to excel at the next level. None of that stuff. Um, so this hashtag tank for two a thing and all the fans that are coming up with this, with, coming out with that. Yeah, it's kind of silly. It's it's driving me bonkers. And, and the next time I see it, I'm going to tear my hair out. I can't stand it. I don't want to see it anymore. And that's the last thing that I want.
2: Yeah, it's way too early for that kind of nonsense to me. I mean, it could be from, it could be any
0: one of them, but uh, that'll all play itself out. The The, the key is uh, if they do what they plan on doing, they're going to be in position to get one of those guys, and maybe they're picking the litter.
1: Yeah, and you don't have to tank. There's always a possibility of trading up in a draft. You can, you can trade well, we, back and trade that, out but that this year. Su-
0: that doesn't sound like what they're planning on doing. I mean, yeah, the, the way they're speaking is they are going to tank. Uh, I don't like the tank. Well, nobody does. I'm not crazy about it either. Um, You guys know, I mean, we've talked about this before. I think you go out to win every game you play. I think that should be your intention and your goal.
1: I'm going to tell you right now, those players in that locker room and whatever coach we hire at Tankin is not going to be on their mind. Now are they going to, I think the key is not going out and spending a bunch of money in free agency, not signing these high contracts. That's what the whole conversation, I think that's what the whole conversation is about. It's not about going out and losing for our higher draft pick. It's not spending all this stupid money and not, and not trying to elevate your play with free agents. Like I just, I can't stand the, the thought process behind everybody's saying that this is a tank job you tell that to x or to raekwon you know they're not going to go out there and tank it's not going to happen
0: well no if the ball's in the air they're going to pick it off for sure but let's be honest okay the way the game is coached uh, uh the way the offseason moves are, are constructed does influence winning
2: yeah, you follow me? I, I do follow you Mike and yeah. that's I think that's what the deal with Ross and Gase was at the end and and why they were probably having arguments for for whatever but there's a difference between tanking you know like intentionally like not trying to win and trying to assemble parts and play the best that you can play if you win fantastic if you lose ah, well We'll see what we like, can do like, next week. Let
0: me, let me just give you an example. Instead of going out and signing a uh, mid-tier free agent quarterback for next season, and instead of keeping Tannehill on the roster, you start Luke Falk, knowing yep. that you're not going to succeed with Luke Falk.
1: Yep. And it's the same. We talked about this briefly on the last podcast, too. It's the same principle that I talked about with Charles Harris. If you don't sign a Robert Quinn, right. then your first-round pick plays.
0: Right. Right. You yep. know,
1: and See. and Gates, and Gates was bringing in these guys to, to get them on the field to try to win. Of course, but if you don't have a high-priced Robert Quinn, then your other guys get more reps, and at the expense of an extra two sacks, you know, every half a year.
0: Yeah, but we four, didn't we didn't know that. Season, you know, you can't predict that. You're 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 putting the guy out there who you think is the best player, and he thought the best player at this point in time was Quinn. Sure. So that's why you do that. And, uh, you know, you get what you get out of them. But in, in this scenario, maybe you're not going to make that decision. Maybe you're going to part with Quinn and maybe you're going to let Harris get his play time. You know yep. what I
1: mean? Exactly. And then and then you get not only the chance to see if he's going to be able to elevate his play, but the opportunity to get out from under him if he's not.
0: Right. Right. So, I mean, you're not necessarily throwing games, but you're not putting yourself in a position to win as much as you possibly could either. You're making decisions that kind of contradict winning, but may help you long-term.
2: Yeah, well, this is why I was against uh, bringing in Jay Cutler last year. That was like a complete waste of time, you know, And and that goes back to that same thing. Oh, we have a better chance of winning with with Cutler than we did whoever else was on this roster, and it's like, well, you're not going to go very far with with or without Cutler. So it was a waste of time, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm tired of talking about Cutler. Well, <laughs> no, it's this. It
1: failed what started last year. We would have had we would have had a top five pick this year.
0: Yeah, probably and then we so. would have had
1: the quarterback, right?
0: Probably so. <laughs> so uh, let's see what other questions we got here. Give me a second to pull these up. All right. Mark Rutherford asks, what has been your most positive and negative takes on the uh, season? I'm going to answer that real quick. My, my most positive take was uh, Howard and my most negative one was the season uh, itself. <laughs> uh,
1: that's, that's pretty good. I, I got a couple of positives. I, I did like the play of Xavier Howard, um, but uh, but also a couple of other guys, you know, Vincent Taylor, and I thought that was a real positive for him this year. And and Kelly totally to, got hurt. To add to that, Devon Gotcha I thought played really well, you know, in limited snaps. And you got guys like Albert Wilson who came into the squad and, and did some amazing things. Um, and the, I would say that my most positive coming down the line in 2018 was the play of Raquan McMillan elevating over the over the last half of the season, because the last half of the season he looked like a guy who was going to be really capable as a two down inside linebacker uh, that could definitely stop the run and, and do some good things for us and and the negative was you know the locker room just quitting on gase and, and the way the end of the season came about uh, i had hoped for better they were finishing games you know all the way up through three quarters of the season and then uh, after that miami miracle happened they just they stopped finishing games and they, they lost their
0: mojo yeah
1: it was a letdown for me
2: yeah, you you hit on all the positives. I would have mentioned Daniel, and uh, I got to say the biggest negative was uh, just the lack of consistent football throughout the year. Yeah, and Ryan Tannehill. Well,
0: that's. I don't yeah. see. I didn't even want to go there.
1: <laughs> I, I just... mean, it's the truth, though. I was hoping his play would elevate after 2016, and then being out 17, I was hoping his play would elevate, and it, and it just didn't.
0: And, and uh, the only thing that elevated play, was my blood pressure watching yeah. Tannehill time and
1: yeah. time again, right? Time and time uh, again. Uh, a couple of things, real quick. It looks like the Cardinals did sign Cliff Kingsbury, and Bruce Arians has just been hired as the coach for the Tampa Bay
0: Bucks. Uh huh. Well, that's. So scratch, scratch a couple of names off the list that weren't on the list anyway. So that, the,
1: to, the Bucks are no longer in the, the Chris Richard chase.
2: Yeah, right. that immediately makes the Bucks better, too. What should the team do about its quarterback situation? Cut his ass. <laughs>
0: cut his ass yeah
1: and, uh, and uh, do what mike just said start falk or draft a young guy and,
2: and let him roll i i feel we need to move on from Tannehill. i'm fairly certain that every uh well 80 percent of the people out there are tired of the end result and watching the same plays over and over and over again so uh yep. he's he's going to cost us money to get rid of but I'd rather throw that money away than and, and burn it. Then burn it. Then yeah. and then endure another season of that because we, it's it's just not worth watching. Well, um, it's
0: like Ross said, you know, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is the definition of insanity.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's just not it's not good for the team. It's not good for the you know any of the above. It's we need to move on. We
1: talked a lot, and I don't know if it was inside the last month, but we talked a lot on the podcast about thinking Ryan Tannehill was going to be here in 2019. You know, because of his contract, because of the dead money, because what else were we going to do? Well, I that time has come, and that time has gone, and it is time to cut his ass or trade him for whatever you can get for him.
0: Yeah, they were- all right. The the next question is: Is Luke Falk the answer, a possible challenger for next uh, season? I think we kind of already addressed. Yeah, it. I don't think
1: he's the answer, but no, but, no, he, but he may be, play.
0: He could be short term. Um, here's a question that I find interesting. Mark uh, Rutherford asked it. It says: Given that Ajay had a couple of good seasons before being traded, and uh, Drake didn't build on the good end to the previous season, do you think the problem lies with the players? Attitude, play calling, offensive line, or something else? Uh, You know what? The short answer is Gase.
1: Because you've heard the players that leave talk shit on Gase, talk bad about Gase. And then for me, Drake didn't get used nearly enough or in the correct ways this season. Did you ever talk shit about an ex-girlfriend?
2: Never. You know what? No. i might have i might have
0: and she probably wasn't as bad as i made her out to be
2: probably not and i gotta say that i think the running back situation with drake is mostly drake himself i think he got into his own mind and he was try he was overthinking everything because you had frank gore who obviously is a hall of famer but He was having success on the ground with the same damn offensive line that Drake was running behind. So you can't blame the O-line. You really can't blame the play calling or the coach. Uh, Frank Gore made the best of his chances, and Kenyon Drake did not.
0: Yeah, I kind of lean that way as well. Um, And I'm not knocking Drake. I happen to like Drake, and I like his talent. I just think he's got to be just a little bit more disciplined, and he'll be okay. Um, and, and
1: in that regard, to add to the answer for Mark, uh-huh. I think that that Kalen Balazs has an opportunity to be a Gore type where he can hit the hole hard. And I think if we use Drake in a different way next year, more more of the same of what we've seen in in uh, in a uh, getting him out of the backfield and, and making I think Drake can step up and have a good season next year as well with a new coach.
2: Yeah, I think if his plays were more successful, it'd be better. But, you know, Drake was never the feature back in college either. So you got to keep that in mind moving forward.
0: I've said the same thing. I mean, he's never been a full-time heavy-duty back. So to expect him to be that is probably expecting something he's not capable of. Because if he was, Saban would have used him that way.
1: Here's one. you guys think we bring uh, Gore back next year? A little short answer.
0: I don't know. I think they could. I think they do. Mm -hmm.
2: I think if Gore wants to, it'll be good for publicity and good for the team and selling tickets and all that jazz. So if he wants to finish his career in South Florida, where he's from and all that, I think that'll happen.
0: I think it kind of goes back to what we said before. Do you want to start the older vet in spite of the younger guys on the roster? And that's a decision they have to make. I think I would probably go with Balazs and Drake and go from there. Maybe draft somebody else, but we'll see uh and that brings us to this question what uh should be the the draft approach bpa best player available need hybrid or both
2: (laughs) well as far as the draft goes you know normally i always recommend the best player available uh that's that's the way you get your top talent but we are in serious need to rebuild both the offensive line and the defensive line Right now right now we've got two solid tackles and one of those is a pending free agent that's liable not to be here next year because he might price himself out of the team. Uh, so that leaves you with Laramie Tunzel and then you know Josh Sitton and and uh, Kilgore if they come back to the team. Uh, so realistically we need two guards a center, you know, a swing tackle. A, a swing tackle would be great. Somebody that has the ability to pay, play both left and right tackles. Uh, but you, 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 need tackle depth. You need guard starters. Uh, you need guard and center depth. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you know, you need another defensive end you're
0: answering a whole different question you need a
1: defensive tackle
0: yeah you
2: need, you but, need what, a but what what I'm back but what I'm saying is I, I did digress you need too many players to pick the best player available I would I would be trading back and be getting more picks and be using them on the uh, interior defense and offensive lines
1: so I think here I I, I tend to agree with you jim i think that the probably the smartest thing is to trade back in the event that there are a couple of players that i've got my eye on that aren't there at 13 and i'm sure we'll get into into a draft episode in depth about who we think may be available and what we should do but i think the smart money is on moving back and adding a bunch of picks
0: yeah but are those picks going to be best player available or position to need
1: absolutely best player of a best player available
0: okay all right now I I would say the same thing with a slight caveat I think you go best player available in a position of need I knew you was going to do that yeah like (laughs) that's what I I mean it only makes sense but that's how, that's how I would draft if I was drafting for this team. I would you know, line up my 10 needs, and the best guy there that fills one of those 10 needs is the guy that I'm drafting.
1: Yeah, I suppose because I, if the best player available
0: was a wide receiver, I probably wouldn't take him.
2: Yeah, that, yeah I
0: mean, I, I, that I, I, I might, depending on how much better he was than everybody else. You know what I mean? You go by grades and stuff. So it would just depend. We certainly could use a wide receiver. Well, I mean, what couldn't we use besides running back? And even, you can even make a case for drafting a running back. I don't know a position we can't use, so it's, it's kind of a moot point. Yeah, I, that's why I win BPA. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I would always do the best player available, but like you say, I mean, you, you don't... You're going to wait them. You're you, going to wait you them. Gotta, I mean,
0: a yeah. running back is not as much of a priority right. as maybe a uh, quarterback chasing defensive end.
2: Yeah, and the other thing you got to not do under any circumstances is reach for a player um bingo that's that or trade up that's a that well no, no, no. i mean if you're if you're after your are a franchise quarterback or that killer defensive end and you you know you're already on the cusp of doing some winning then that's fine go reach for that piece you want but in the circumstances that we're in we need more picks so you trade down if it was me you get a couple extra picks and you use you use them where you need them. Uh, and like I say, don't don't reach for a square peg when you got a round hole to fill.
0: Yeah, I think we absolutely have to be trading down. That should be a priority. It shouldn't even be a, a conversation. It should be done, assuming we have a trade partner. Ryan Norwood asks: Do we trade vets over age 27 for draft picks, or is it a better idea to keep them around to help the young guys? Pros and cons for both sides.
1: So for me, it depends on their, their contract. You know, if we can trade a Robert Quinn for some draft capital, do it. If we can, I would almost. Is that your
0: son complaining?
1: It it very well. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I can't hear him too
2: well. Oh, I, I was kind of crying a little bit there. So. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Talking about all
1: this losing makes you cry, Jimmy. Yeah. yeah. I understand. And, and I would almost go as far as saying a Rashad Jones for the right price. But it depends on the contract. If we have some 27 or older that are on cheap contracts and that are going to be key pieces in our depth, You know, I think we should hold on to him.
0: The thing about trading somebody over 27 is it's harder to get value back for them uh, than you would somebody under the age of 27. So, you know, that's the pros and cons to it, really. You may not get the value that that player is worth. If you trade a Rashad Jones right now, you're probably not going to get the value he's worth to our team.
2: Yeah, I think each. I agree. I think each one is an individual case, really. I mean, you've you've got some twenty-seven-year-olds that that might be up for a huge contract, and hey, you got to move him on most likely. But uh, you might have some fringe players that aren't that are cost-effective to hang on to. They could be good locker room guys. I think each each one is a case-by-case scenario. But with that said, I think you know. Greer has to be open-minded, and if and if somebody makes him an offer on a player that's, like you mentioned, Mike, you know, of good value, then you can't just ignore it.
0: All right. Now, Rod Rousey asked about 10 questions. I'm going to rattle off some answers here really quick. Uh, should we make a push for Arians? No, that ship sailed. Uh, what is Tannehill's trade value? Uh, my answer would be how much time do you have? Uh, it's not much. Uh, Maybe a fifth-round pick. Uh, It's not much. Um, Should he be shown the door? You already know my answer to that. Yes, sir. Um, You can't get rid of him fast enough for me. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Uh, Rod Rousey asks, realistically, what are our chances of Greer being able to turn this franchise around? What do you think? Such
1: a tough question because there's so much unknown about what he can do in the front office rather than just being a GM picking players out of the draft uh, i i like the chances that he has at running the show because he's been around so long and seen so many people do it um i don't know that i have a percentage but if i was gonna if i was gonna give you a percentage i would say something like 65
0: I think so huh that's pretty high yeah.
1: i have what is called cautious faith Blind optimism? No, 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 no. Oh. Not blind. I've oh. seen a few drafts from him to know that he, you know, he's doing a pretty good job at picking some cornerstones.
2: I think uh, I think it's a crapshoot at this point. We don't know a lot about Chris Greer and how he will move the team as a whole forward. He's, I think he's been a quality guy for the team. And I truly hope that he is, uh, you know, the next uh, master general GM of, of all of football but i just you know there's just the not next
1: big thing
2: yeah the next big latest and greatest you know i really hope he just uh t- kicks ass and takes names and all that but there's just not enough information to give me a, a an opinion really of how he's going to make out good or bad i mean it's it's everything has just been okay you know so I think it's kind of a 50-50 deal, and, and uh, if if the drafts go well and, and they can get some core players and a franchise quarterback, then things will look good.
0: Scott Hayes wants to know, um, uh, Xavier Howard, do you trade him for picks or do you sign him to that contract that he wants, which would probably be the highest-paid cornerback in uh, pro football?
1: If we trade... Xavier howard that 65 percent goes down for me to about eight i i i would seriously question greer and what the drop. hell he's doing if he trades x and for that matter if he keeps Tannehill, um i will seriously question what the hell doesn't it
0: matter what you get in return let's say somebody offers you two first round picks or a first and a second round pick i mean that's it's hard to turn your nose at that when you know you got to sign a at least a 15 million dollar a year contract.
1: If he can pull a mac out of his hat, then sure, I I you know, I'll backtrack on that, but uh I I want X.
0: To I mean, stay you're not going to trade him for a fourth head. round draft pick like we've been known to do lately. No. No.
1: Yeah, I no. just I just don't see him going anywhere, boys. I, I don't understand. Yeah, I, I I, I really
2: I really want him to to be a dolphin, um but as a Dolphin fan, we don't have a lot of flashy big-name players to hold on to, and it will be a big blow to the team and the franchise to lose one of your your best rising stars. So, while like I mentioned earlier, you can't ignore offers uh, that get thrown your way for a player, so you've got to be open-minded about it. But I would I would rather that uh, I would rather have him still on the team for several years. And like I
1: said, they're not actively trying to tank. You know, they're not actively trying
0: to tank, so they're not trading him. All right, but then there's this. Let's assume for a second that they are actively trying to tank. Since everything seems to point in that direction, let's just hypothetically say that's the case. And Howard gets wind of this, and Howard decides, you know what? I ain't sticking in this nonsense. I want out. Then what happens?
2: Well, you know, you get into the whole Antonio Brown, you know, Bell for the Steelers. You know, them these guys held out because they wanted more money and they didn't get it. And if a player is not happy, you know, he's either going to hold out for money or hold out for whatever reason. So, you know, if he's unhappy, your options get very limited, and then
0: that's right, you lose all your leverage.
2: Yeah, you don't have any leverage. You got no no really ground to stand on. You basically have to accept whatever trade you can get you know try to get as much value as you can from a player that wants to leave anyway so uh let's hope that doesn't happen mike yeah Yeah, in the event any
1: event that that is how things play out Uh i will succumb and say that we we need to get the best value for him but i don't i don't think that's what's going to happen so well if you're starting
0: luke falk That's what's going to happen.
2: Well, so, you know, if you're starting Falk next, you know, for 2019, and then you're planning on drafting your guy for 2020, right. it's only one year of, ba- of, of bad football. Of tank, right. Now, right. now, what have we had for the last couple of years? It's not that much better than tank football. So, Right, but keep in yeah. mind,
0: it's tank football, and then it's a year of a rookie learning how to play, you know, and NFL ball. So there's there's an adjustment period there for most guys. So, you know, it's it's a couple of years of bad football.
2: Yeah, well, I've seen three rookies start this year, and I think they did, did damn good. So, you know, I I like I like the okay, I like well, to... What
0: what Mayfield went, eight games, seven games, yep. something like that. Uh huh. Yeah. All right, so that's that's pretty much par for the course, right?
2: Well, yeah, but it's not tanking. That's what I'm that's what I'm getting at. Well, no, it, it's no, no, only, no, no, it's no. only a year. So we're you know, saying
0: tanking for a year and then playing with a rookie. Yep. So what can you expect out of a rookie? At best, nine ten wins. At best, you know. In most cases.
2: Yeah, a, I don't know. A,
0: Roethlisberger
1: went what thirteen and one. Yeah, a, yeah, a rookie. We don't, we don't have
2: like the steal, we don't
0: have the Steelers GM. Uh,
2: yeah, a, a rookie that, and then <laughs> you you'll also that. have enthusiasm that. and hope <laughs> and all of the above. You know, the last few years have been been none of that.
0: Right. That's that's true. That's true. With with a rookie, if he comes into camp and he's looking like the real deal, guys kinda get too stumped a little
2: bit. Yeah.
0: Uh, Ron asks, what should we what should be our targets in the upcoming draft? We're not going to address that today, but we will get to it, I promise. We will and, and and honestly
1: I'm kind of excited for that, so stay tuned.
0: Yeah, it'll that'll
2: be a lot of conversations
0: there. Uh, Greg Blunt asks, in order to save most the most money, do all the cuts have to come after June first? The answer to that is no. The The answer really is contract-specific. Uh, it depends on bonus money and some other things that we're not going to get to right now. But that that's really your answer. The answer is no. Uh, it's case by case. Um, Sean Murphy asks, have the Finns cast a far enough net for their head coach vacancy? And... Um, are there folks who should be are they still brought in, like Greg Williams or the other Harbaugh or another college coach?
1: I, I like how he phrased that cast their net, you know, ocean, Miami, yeah. South. Yeah, uh, Dolphins. Huh? I, I like the way he did it. Uh, I think they have. I think that it's about as wide as you can expect with what is going on and the word around town. Uh, we're going to have a first time head coach, you know, guys like Munchek refused to come and, and interview with us. So we're going to have a first time coach. We can only do what we can do. And I think it'll be fine as far as that's concerned. I think they've done the best they could do.
0: Here's a really good question, but I can't give you an exact answer because it's going to vary from team to team. But his question is, I would like to see our offense start before we get down to the last two or three seconds on the play clock. <laughs> it seems to signal to the defense to load up. Is it the QB, the play caller, or the play caller that's putting us in that uh, now-we-got-a-hurry situation? And it's a fair question, and, and, and really it could be any of the above. It could be the play caller not getting a play in fast enough. It could be a quarterback trying to get a read on the defense for a half second too long. It could be a way, him waiting for a wide receiver to get set that was in motion. It can be any number of things so uh, there's a lot of that goes into yeah. it
1: you know you could be trying to run the clock you could be uh looking at the defense and reading if they're in cover two. if they're adjusting late if your offensive line is trying to point out blitzes there's so much that goes into it
0: that's exactly right but
1: i completely understand yeah the
2: question. i did see that question and i chuckled about it because we were supposed to be this up-tempo fast-moving offense and and that's what we were, were reduced to again this year so uh, you know it would be nice to see a change in tempo at you know to to keep the defense honest I agree I, I agree with that question 100% and it is mind-boggling sometime that we're snapping the ball at basically the same clock position every time so uh, yeah they definitely need to vary that more
0: let me answer the mystery of why we've never been able to master the quick tempo offense and it didn't matter if Philbin was the coach or if Gase was the coach the answer is the quarterback. Not because he can't do it, but because he can't convert third downs. And no coach in his right mind is going to run an up tempo offense and make it even harder for his defense than it already is. Yep. Come on, and then, that's your
1: answer. And it all comes down to execution. Whether it's the quarterback, the receivers running the right route, the offensive line blocking right, the right guys, right, right, right. pointing out but the blitzes, knowing the coverage is
0: so I don't much. care what the line does. I don't care what the receivers do. I don't care what the quarterback does or the running backs do. It's the quarterback's responsibility to move the chains.
2: You mean you mean three yep. three plays and out in thirty seven seconds isn't good. No. No. Oh. Da- no. And it happens far <laughs> too often. Damn. If, it, if I, that was good, we w- we'd be. Great. I was going to say we'd, <laughs> we'd be at the top of the league.
0: You know, I don't mean to shit on Tannehill. That that's not my purpose in life. Okay, Understood. but the Understood. quarterback is responsible to move the offense, and people yeah. make all kinds of excuses in the world. And I never said it was easy. Quarterback is the hardest position in sports. Period.
2: Yeah. But and, it is and what it is.
1: You know, in all reality, it's not us shitting on Tannehill. It's Tannehill shitting on Tannehill. Yeah,
2: it's so, it's the facts of life, man. I mean, that it is what it is. So you, anyway. There you go.
0: Get me fired up. Moving on. Next question. All right. How do we approach free agency going forward? This guy is personally a fan of the Packers and Steelers approach to it. And I assume by that he means shopping smartly.
1: Not, not signing many people
0: at all. Right. And
1: that works fine when you draft well and you
0: keep your homegrown talent. You have a solid nucleus. It's a lot easier to do that. Yeah.
2: I think free agencies is fine, but you, you can't throw huge contracts at guys that's a stopgap. You know, I mean, the the Danny Amendolas are, are great to have on a team, but you can't throw money at that when... You know, you've got a draft pick you need to work in or what have you. You need to save that money and put it in a different direction.
0: Here's how I look at free agency. It's like a convenience store, okay? I really don't want to shop there, but if I just got to have a loaf of bread real quick, okay, maybe I'll run in and get one okay yeah probably it's a convenience it's it's not the way it should be done but
1: it's like 479 for a loaf of one. well that's just
0: it you're paying more for free agents you
2: you you pay more for something that's normally not your first choice right here's
1: here's what i see and this is what i say it's going to be more of signing guys like ziggy hood You know, you got the the guys who are going to come in on one year prove-it deals, the guys who uh, nobody else wanted, who were there left and the guys that are not the big name free agents. That's the way we're going to have to do it. And then on top of that, some college free agents, because these guys, if you can find these unheralded guys that will come in and and sign for cheap and get get really good minutes, um, that's what we're going to need in free agency this year and maybe Uh, even next year
0: all right guys i know we ran a little long today uh i want to thank everybody for the questions and i didn't want to leave anybody out because i thought they were for the most part really good questions um and we could talk forever about to tank or not to tank i mean that's that's a question we could literally spend hours on uh but we've covered it and uh We'll be back next week. Is there anything you guys would like to add this evening? Here, here's a quick question
1: for you: Would you guys spend any of our draft capital on trading for other players? Because you got no. guys like, <clears throat> and you got guys like Antonio Brown who are not wanting to be with their team anymore. Would you spend draft capital or or uh assets he's from past, our team? he's
0: past his prime that guy's a bum get him out of here. <laughs>
2: yeah he's he's washed up he's washed up i'm
1: I, i'm i'm over uh trading our our cap somebody's
0: trying guys. to pull a fast one here i don't know who it is but <laughs> yeah
1: it's this this dude i know named colt who you know he wants Xavier howard and a first round pick for antonio brown and antonio brown's dusty he's getting yeah.
2: dusty yeah yeah
0: he's getting dusty yeah. he's getting Creak, creaky, <laughs> yeah. you know, he, he's he's you know, how old is he now? Yeah.
2: He's got to be 40. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think close so. to it anyway, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, we don't want him. We'll get, we'll get him. Well, may, maybe if Thank you, throw,
2: you throw big Ben in with him, maybe we could talk and pouncy, yeah oh yeah pouncy, yeah, marquise. Mar- yeah, yeah marquise. Give me marquise yeah yeah, yeah, yeah give yeah, me marquise
1: yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. i'll give you a second round right right and Dan, right
0: and, and yeah and brown yeah now we can start to put something together there you go there, there we go. you go it's gonna be painful though so make sure you're ready yeah you guys do know that marquise hates us right <laughs> oh i don't i don't care about all uh, that money money will make them happy
2: yeah well
0: all right guys uh so that's it uh i'm sorry for that diversion there but we had to do it
2: there you go <laughs>
0: and uh We'll be back next week, and I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about. Uh, anything else, Jim? One,
2: oh. Fins up, ahead, Jim. and Happy New Year. Hope 20, 2019's great.
1: One last thing, everybody. Thank you for listening. Please like, comment, and share the podcast. Uh, I'm going to be sharing this on Twitter. Please retweet as well. I just wanted to add that you heard us answering questions from a number of different names. We got those names and those questions from our Facebook page. You can follow along with the conversations every day and night at Miami Dolphins number one on Facebook. That's Miami Dolphins hashtag number one. This is where we started. This is our home base. This is where we get our roster and this is where we find our everyday conversations on the Miami Dolphins. So please join along with us there.
0: Yes, please do. All right. Fins up everybody. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.
2: Good night all.